Welcome to Menno HealthCast, a joint production of Mennonite Healthcare Fellowship in partnership with the Mennonite Incorporated. Today we have another special episode related to the novel coronavirus known as COVID-19. I'm your host, Joanne Huntsberger, and I'm speaking with Dr. Maria Morban. Dr. Morban is a medical doctor from Universidad Autónoma in Santo Domingo. She has been living in New York City for over a decade where she holds several volunteer positions and works as a clinical research coordinator. You may have seen her smiling face on the front of Mennonite World Review from April 15, 2020. Dr. Morban is a member of Manhattan Mennonite Fellowship. Thank you for having me on your podcast today. My name is Maria Morban and I live in New York City, or be more specific in the Bronx. I was born in the beautiful country in Dominican Republic and I came to New York after completing my medical study. I started to become a medical doctor, but when I came to New York 13 years ago, I became a clinical coordinator in the research. I love my work as a clinical research coordinator at the amazing department, internal medicine nephrology department at Columbia University. And even more, I love my volunteer work. This has been a tough couple of months in New York City. I am happy to give my voice that one happening now. Maria, you're a volunteer as an advocate for victims of rape and domestic violence. Can you tell me about what you do in this volunteer position? I'm volunteer as an advocate for rape crisis and domestic violence. I provide crisis counseling, emotional support. I help to the advocate for survivor of sexual assault, intimate with the partner, and violence who seek treatment in the emergency department. The Crime Victim Treatment Center is already 42 years ago when it started. How long have you been volunteering as an advocate for these victims of sexual and intimate partner violence? I have been volunteer trust year. We have to be on call a um, minimum like a two times a month, and I would plan to be volunteer as long as I can. We talked prior to the podcast, and I really admire your passion for taking care of these victims of sexual violence. Can you tell me some about the people you're advocating for? Are you advocating for their safety, their health, their civic rights? Tell me more. When a victim of the domestic violence or rape come to the emergency department, they need someone to inform them, I'm here for you. And everything happening around them at that moment, at that great time of their life, they get the support. It's not their fault that everything happening to them. The company, somebody listen to them and let them know institution like Crime Victim Treatment Centers is for there. For legalism, psychology support, holistic support, and free of charge. I help them to get support through the Crime Victim Treatment Center. So you're there to listen to them, to offer them emotional support, and really to help them find the legal and psychological support that they need to get through this terrible crisis. Yes, like the bridge for this, for this moment to the, this institution. So you're the bridge between the victims and the institution where you work so that the victims can get the help that they need. Yes. It's amazing work that you do. There's so much concern right now that because of the social isolation due to coronavirus, that it may actually lead to increased domestic violence. Have you seen this as you're in your role as a volunteer? No, for now in my case, in the three hospital I'm volunteer, but 
for being honest, the domestic violence is a silent enemy. This is a, like a silent pandemic happening every time. So regardless of whether or not the coronavirus pandemic is going on, domestic violence continues and it's unrelenting. Yes. Maria, I understand that you work as a clinical research coordinator for the nephrology department at Columbia University. And that's essentially the person who recruits patients for clinical studies. You help keep track of the patients and you track how they're doing. Can you tell me about the studies that you're working on? I am research coordinator working on a study related to the genetic of chronic kidney disease. Our goal is identify genetic factor predisposing individual to chronic kidney disease. I also work in all of us. This is a research program. We seek to stem precision medicine for all the disease by building a national research cohort of one million people or more participants in all United States. It sounds to me like what you're doing is research that will help identify patients who are genetically disposed to kidney disease so that you can stop it before they get really sick with their kidney disease. Can I ask this? Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by precision medicine? Precision medicine is an emerging approach for disease treatment and prevention take into the account individual variability in gene, environment, and lifestyle for each person. This approach will be allowed doctors and researchers to predict more accurately which treatment and prevention strategy for the particular disease. We will work with a group of people. The medicine has to be more precise, more individualized, based on our genetic material, lifestyle. That one is the precision medicine. So we're taking this one-size-fits-all approach, getting rid of that, and instead we're going to customize our medicine to each individual so that we can target their genetics, their environment, their lifestyle, so we can help them live good lives, live healthy lives. Yes, I'm them. It's the new approach to medicine. Yes. Maria, you trained as a physician in the Dominican Republic, and then here in the States, you work as a clinical research coordinator and volunteer for victims of sexual assault. However, during coronavirus, your department asked you if you were willing to redeploy and volunteer for work outside of your normal work. How did you volunteer? What did you do? I work in nephrology department at Columbia University, and when they asked me to volunteer during the crisis, I was already in the dialysis unit, helping technicians to program the dialysis machine. As you know, uh, major issues of extremely ill patients with the coronavirus is that they experience several kidney dysfunction, and many need to be put the dialysis machine to replace the function of the kidney. So I'm volunteer for pre-employment and dialysis technician. I could take a dialysis unit to seek a COVID patient, even when they was in the intensive care unit. You were already working on the dialysis machines. And so when they asked you to redeploy, you redeployed as a dialysis technician. And that's the person who takes the dialysis to the patients to help replace their kidney function. Because as you said, Coronavirus patients often have really bad um, kidney function. Yes, for be more specific, it was a system to the nurse staff and the technician, the dialysis technician, helping them because they was really struggled. They have 
over hour, over hour, even they working a lot, even without this pandemic, I was helping them a little bit more. So even before the pandemic, the, the frontline staff was working a lot. And so you were extra help for those, for those yes. uh, nurses and technicians. Yes. What did it mean for you to be a frontline provider? And, and why did you volunteer for this redeployment? It's a sublime and beautiful thing to help others. And during this time, I was able to be with patients who were completely isolated from the love and the care that the relative. To the pandemic, the hospital does not let adult patients have a visitor. It means a lot to be able to be present with this patient, providing support for the kidney, but to also provide support with emotional that they are sick and lonely and isolated. For example, one of the elderly was in dialysis unit. I knew he was alone, just with a nurse and the doctor. They try always to help them. And I started to give him water because the nurse told me he can give his, his water. Like a feeding, his, he can take the glass, the water, and with a stroke, start to do the water. But I asked him, do you want to start like a water soup? And I was helping him with a spoon. And he was happy. Even he can do it himself. He said yes, because I would be more minute with him at the home. That was a good experience. Yeah. It sounds like just being by the patient and offering him assistance, even though he could have done it himself, but being able to be by his side when his loved ones couldn't be there, that that was really meaningful to you. Yes. That song is like a healing your soul. You are doing something that human being is created to do a good thing. You felt healed in your own soul while you were doing something that you feel like humans should be doing is taking yeah. care of others. Yes. I like how you said that it's a sublime and beautiful thing to help others. That's a wonderful statement. Thank you. New York has been devastated by the coronavirus with thousands and thousands of people dying from the virus. And the bustling city has virtually come to a standstill because of the crisis. Can you tell me what your experience has been like living in New York City through this? Living in New York City, the corona pandemic has been sad and stressful. New York City is not the same city. It's living for the first time in the whole history of New York City. Yeah, so to take this most amazing, bustling, crazy city, and it's just like it's been silenced. Can you tell me any personal stories from friends or community members who have been affected by the coronavirus? Certainly, I have been coaching many people in the hospital with coronavirus. One person who was working with me in the clinical had mild symptoms and began in the pandemic in March. But he came back to work after he was testing and quarantining um, the mild symptoms. When the hospital let him come back to work after the quarantine, he returned to work and he admit that he was not seriously sick. He told me, Maria, everyone has coronavirus. So this coworker of yours said, everybody is probably infected by coronavirus because your coworker wasn't seriously ill. And so his thought is that other people probably have it too because you get it and you don't even get that sick from it. Exactly. Maria, we talked earlier about how you came to Manhattan Mennonite Fellowship. Can you share that story with us? Wow. I was at the camp, Deer Park, and there is, I met a group of Christians about four years ago. My friends saw that I was very tired, even 
even though I have just returned from a vacation. And she recommended Deer Park to meet so that I could take a break for my stressor. I was in a vicious cycle for anxiety and inexplicable sadness. And I was looking for happiness in wrong thing. I was drowning in work. My friend as a Christian, a Mennonite woman, Sandra Monroy, and psychology, recommend a weekend of rest of Deer Park. She gave me a spectacular description of that place to me. The cabin, the cabin, the fighter, the smell of the good, the food, the wonderful cold days I can spend there. I need that place. When I heard it was a church camp, I get afraid, panicked. No, that's the Christian there will be preach me and will be a star bother me. But when I was there like a miracle. This became my instructor as a Mennonite Christian. I believe in God. And I followed those invite me because their fruit, not the war, they say. When God called you, there is a great force within that place of your heart. It's not the physical heart, but where is a soul is placed, where is the soul is placed, and is placed at the, your creator and never seen in the anatomic and physiology book described. Those the book don't describe never, but it still exists. I have been part of the Manhattan Mennonite Fellowship as a deacon of four years ago. Dr. Morban, it has been wonderful to get to know you through speaking with you today. I pray health and healing to you and your community in New York City. And I thank you for the incredible work of volunteering to be on the front lines during this pandemic. Thank you for joining the Menno HealthCast as I spoke with Dr. Maria Morban from New York City as she told us about her volunteer work advocating for victims of sexual abuse and her redeployment in the time of COVID-19. If you're interested in donating or getting involved with MHF, please go to our website at menohealth.org and click on the link in the top right corner or email us at info at during these tough times, we need you to financially support the mission of Mennonite Healthcare Fellowship to help continue this dialogue about the intersection of faith and health. If you're interested in telling your coronavirus story, please email me at info at Musical credits go to Paul Schlitz, editing and production credits to Eugene Stevanis, and I'm your host, Joanne Huntsberger. Please join us again next time.